All right, good day to everybody. This is Zachary Kameen, the Curious Christian, and these are Curious Conversations. Today we're going to, um, we're meeting up with my uh, good battle and sweet Michigan Congressman and State Rep, Jewel Jones, and we're just going to talk about uh, whatever the conversation flows towards. Uh, you want to say hi, Mr. Mr. Jones. Well, hello everyone. Happy to be here on the Curious. Uh, well, happy to be here having Curious conversations uh, with my brother Kameen. Uh We've been trying to catch up for a while now. I've been trying to get on the show, so I'm just happy to uh, finally uh, make some time. Well, uh, I mean, I imagine that during the during the campaign trail, I was definitely not going to try to jump in into your super busy <laughs> schedule. Uh, super proud of you. Uh, been plugging at you during during my podcasts and plugging away on Twitter and Facebook and stuff, trying to uh, let people know to keep their eyes on you. And I'm happy to see that all your hard work paid off during the election, that you killed it with a landslide on <laughs> your election victory. I'm proud of you on that. Thanks, brother. Thank you. You want to tell me a bit of the backstory on your first election, uh, stuff that you did in between elections and how did the uh, previous campaign go down? So uh, first ran the campaign back in 2015. Uh, that's when we ran for city council. So I was a ninth, I was a sophomore in college at University of Michigan Dearborn. I was 19 um, and there was a seat opening up on my city council. And so about January, I believe the date was January 12th, I made this Facebook post and I was like, all right, I get a lot of likes and a lot of comments on this Facebook post, I'm going to go ahead and run for office because a lot of people were telling me to run. I wasn't too sure about it at first. And so um, after I made the post, I got like 200, 300 likes and all these comments and stuff. And so I was like, okay, you know what, we're going to run for office. And so uh, we put our name in and I grabbed a young fella from campus and told him he's going to run my campaign. So his name's Javion Johnson. He became my campaign manager. Uh, we ran a campaign that year, and it was interesting. Uh, I think there was a whole lot of support because a lot of people were telling us to run and encouraging us to run. Uh, there were a few naysayers um, just saying, like, you know, we were too young, stuff like that. Um, but we ended up pulling through, had 64% uh, of the vote um, that year against one other person and a write-in candidate. And so and that was my very first campaign, but just a year later, because um, I was supposed to start four years on city council, but um, my state representative, Julie Puecki, had passed away suddenly uh, on a hiking trip with one of her daughters. And so they had to replace her in the state house. And so what happens is the congressional district had precinct delegates, so citizens that's li that live inside the district who are basically, you know, active members in the Democratic Party, um, had them nominate uh, a candidate to basically a Democratic nominee on the ballot. And so out of 11 other candidates, um, we were selected. I actually wasn't home at the time. I was down <laughs> south at Fort Knox. Um, I was in ROTC. Um, and so I was down there doing my advanced camp okay. um, that year. And so Javion Johnson was back home. He went through all the selection committees, all the you know uh, meetings and whatnot. So I got back home and I ran a campaign for three months uh, for state rep against a Republican. And uh, we ended up getting, I believe, 64, 66% of the vote. So I've been in the, the mid 60s uh, 
every election so far. So it's been. Yeah. I remember in AIT you were talking about running like yeah. that year, mm-hmm. and then we were all excited for you. And then <laughs> I remember like the drill before the election. We were all pumped up, and then right. we just started blowing up your phone after <laughs> you got elected. We're like, ah! We were so yeah. excited for you. Uh, what were the things that you did uh, during the couple years that you were in before you had to do this re-election? Or some of the things you were a part of. Um, so before this re-election, I ended up, um, I guess, far out as the capital. Uh, I, I was on a few committees, regulatory reform that basically handles like all different kind of. Uh, any issue that comes through the state dealing with you know people with businesses stuff that regulates stuff so anything dealing with regulation um i was on that committee and so i've seen a lot of uh processes and a lot of administrative things that happen in the state in order for you know businesses to operate in order for um licenses to you know get licensed or you know things of that nature i was also on the military and veterans affairs committee um, which was interesting because, you know, being in the, in the National Guard and in ROTC and stuff, uh, it was like a nice way for me to see some of my civilian counterparts and even other, you know, uh, folks who are previous military um, serving um, state representatives to hear like their idea and their perspective on a lot of different things. Yeah. And I was also on the Communication and Technology Committee. And so we dealt with just a lot of, you know, wireless issues. Uh, internet issues you know figuring out how do we bridge the gap between the rural and urban neighborhoods but that was more so at the capital i think back in the district um our biggest thing that i'm i'm most proud of is just really connecting with the young people okay you know getting a chance to really get in touch with them see what their ideas are with you know and really just help them get their voice um to a level where they they you know want to speak up and see what resources we can give to them so because you know that they're, they're our future and so Whatever we can do right now to just you know prepare them to have the best advantage, I think we need to be doing. But it's been very interesting, you know, just connecting with the communities first couple of years. So. That's something that I have a passion for. With that is, you plugged that, you know, you just said, you know, talking about going into your district, doing these community outreach things, and getting everybody involved with the youth and whatnot. And that's why, with me at least, I find the state legislation and the, the state governments far more important than even the uh, federal like I find uh, you more important than Coleman Young gotcha. okay uh, I find uh, our Michigan state senator is more important than like Debbie Stabenow or Gary Peters because you guys uh, you guys go to one you guys go to Lansing instead of the DC right. so you're close to home mm-hmm. I can literally grab you by the arm and be like hey <laughs> what's going on uh, you guys are more you know you guys are there like you guys are in our midst you can talk to we can talk to you you're readily available you're approachable uh you know uh you uh, for my district i have joe bellino it's the same idea right. you know he is he's in he shown he shows up to everything right you know <laughs> some, something they're like man you are here too like come on <laughs> uh and we're i personally I think it's so much important to per- with me. I think it's more important that the youth get plugged into the local and the state stuff right. than even like, like, oh, look at look at what the president's doing, or look at what look at what the, our senators is like. It's like that's over in D.C. Like, yeah, that affects us in a general sense, mm. but man, you got to pay attention to what's going on in the community. Pay attention to what's going on in your local mun- municipality. Pay attention to what's going on in Lansing, because that's the stuff that's going to actually affect you in the here and now. 
man. That's that's basically, I guess, because I'm. I think when I was studying, so I studied politics too in, in college, and one of the things I heard one of my f- professors say immediately was, "All politics is local." I think it's so important that you that she said that and that you 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 mentioned that because it's like you know, no matter what's going on on a national level, no matter what's going on in the world. You know, our everyday needs, you know, we're dealing with police and fire. We're dealing with, you know, getting our trash picked up, you know, different things like that. And that's all like, you know, mayor, council, um, state legislator, stuff like that. People who um, you should be able to reach, you know, you should have their phone numbers, you should have their email addresses, you should have a way to get in touch with them. Because these are the the issues that we really want to make sure that we're building community around um, where we can have conversations that just, you know, simply make our lives easier and just improve the quality of our lives you know so. uh one in, one important you just said you're part you're part of the legislative are you still a part of the legislative committee or the regulatory committee yes, yes. and also the veterans uh committee mm-hmm. uh what what philosophy do you bring so when you're trying to figure out is this a good legislation to look at a good regulation right. to bring incorporate into the michigan constitution or how we do things the sop versus the actual rules right. uh, what you know what goggles do you what worldview do you bring uh to the table when you're considering uh these matters i think i think the biggest thing that i look at uh these days of course, you know I'm in the in the military. You know, serving with you in the National Guard here. Uh, also, like a senior deacon at my church. Um, also, an auxiliary police officer. Um, also, a college student. Also, what they call a millennial. You know, um, state rep as well. So it's a lot of different hats that I wear. And so I think that's the beauty of uh, having conversations these days because it allows me to be able to shift paradigms and perspectives when having a conversation and sometimes mm-hmm. allows me to uh, kind of walk into other people's shoes mm-hmm. because I can I can kind of you know overstand I even say um, other people's ideas because you know it's like I might have a, a, a theory of you know relativity with them or relatability with them uh, because it might be something that I've experienced even though I'm you know fairly young I think having these different experiences uh, help me look at you know different questions or different ideas because I, I don't just look at it from you know, being a politician and figuring out, you know, how's this going to be productive for the state? I'm looking at it from like, how's it going to be productive for everyday people? Is this good for business? You know, uh, who else um, could this work for? Uh, who else do who else do we need to bring in on a conversation? And so basically, that's what I look at whenever we have an idea or question coming up and figuring out are all the you know are all the interested stakeholders here. Um, I'm asking, you know, like the money is always important. Like it's it's something that is going to cost the state more. This something is going to be beneficial to the state. Uh, is going to cost everyday taxpayer taxpayer more. You know, so it's like so many different issues that you're that's coming up, and it's just a lot of different ways that you have to approach it. And I think having like a diverse background uh, sometimes helps me be able to shift those paradigms. Okay. Uh, so, from what I gathered, uh, would you consider yourself, if you were to boil it down, uh, would you agree with like a a worldview of kind of like a relative pragmatist so uh you you try to see it on how does it relate to the people around you and at the same time is it practical is it something that we can actually accomplish in a way that doesn't create more problems going on in the future right i think i think that's that's one way but i think uh i think it's just a facet you know of of myself because like i said like 
it's it's so important to be able to shift paradigms. So you, that's definitely a part of it. Cause I definitely think that we have to be real um, and be honest with ourselves about stuff that's happening right now. I mean, like look at stuff for exactly what it is. Um, and see if it makes sense. And if it doesn't make sense, we have to figure out how to make it make sense, especially if it's going to be something that we do. So I think that that's definitely, um, at least if not the complete perspective, I think that that's, you know, a relatively fair. Okay. Fair point. Would, what standard do you use to, uh, cause, cause, so you know, I'm a obnoxious Christian. <laughs> uh, that... <laughs> Uh, though I'm always curious to hear other people's perspectives, I'm always like, even in our conversations, like, hold on a second, like, right. uh, uh, where where do we draw a line? Do uh, you know? You mentioned you're a deacon, a right. high deacon at your church, and the the question will come up: Well, how much of the Bible do you incorporate in your view of uh, this is a good policy. This is a good decision to make as a uh, rep, as a Congress. Uh, how do you decide? Uh, how does the Bible fit into your decision making on those committees and in your voting? I think. I I think that I mean the way that that all fits in, especially coming from I guess some faith. Uh, <laughs> Because that's where I grew up in the church, you know? Uh, and so I think that a lot of my things, I, I just look at it from a, a spiritual perspective. I'm just because I think it's important. I like to, sometimes, you know, people like to separate church and church and state and um, try to take right. it out. But we don't want to separate God and state. Exactly, right? exactly. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not asking, like, oh, I go ask my pastor what he thinks and then right. I just do what he tells me to do. Like, no, yeah, that, separate, <laughs> separate those two. But like, you know, there's a difference between asking the pastor exactly. and reading the word of God. Like, oh, we're not supposed to be doing that exactly. crap. Like, exactly. God says a nation that does this, maybe we shouldn't, uh, maybe we shouldn't do this because God says this is a no-go. Right. You're exactly right on it. So I think that's why it's important to have, you know, people of faith in these different areas because uh, so often we forget, um, really like that, that at the end of the day, the word is what's so powerful and, and the word is really where the answer is. And I think uh, just having people with that idea in their head with that perspective um, and making sure that the word and God remains a part of the conversation. I think it's always important because, you know, uh, it's a, a book even says we're two or more gathered in his name, you know, he's there. And so I think in all that we do, uh, God is definitely there. So it's important to make sure we acknowledge him and, and keep that that idea in our head and say, hey, you know, is this decision we're making really in the best interest uh, for the people? I mean, is, is this really something that, you know, God would want us to do? Or, you know, you, you can ask the old question, you know, what would Jesus do you know, in this particular position? Or even how did Moses, like, respond to this? Or how did Solomon respond to this? Right. Like, those who historically we have seen that are men of God, that right. God used, you know, how did God lead them to make that decision? Right, because there's definitely stories that, you know, mimic a lot of, or there's def definitely situations today that mimic a lot of stories that's, you know, present in the Bible or parables. And so that's that's extremely important, just figuring out, hey, you know, the answers are right here. All you mm -hmm. got to do is look. Exactly. Uh, so I don't know if you've noticed this, but I mean, even in our discussions with our battles here, right. uh, the, our youth, our generation, has been more prone to ask hard questions than our 
older people. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I couldn't imagine asking one of our sergeants or even an older, lower enlisted person uh, about any of the questions that we bring up, whether it be, <laughs> you know, gay marriage, adultery, uh, stealing, uh, politics in general, belief in God, the Bible. Uh, you know, I talk, I, if I, I bring it up to you guys, you know, anybody who's younger than 30, if I bring it up to you, except for Opara, uh, <laughs> if I bring it up to anybody, you know, they're, they're all in it. Right. Anybody over that threshold in that other generation that's not a millennial, I don't know what it is, but they're like, not about it. Do you, have you noticed that over in your district when you're talking to the youth that they're asking more serious questions than maybe some of your old timers? Yeah, I think I think it happens. I think you just have to, like here in the unit, you know, we definitely built uh, relationships with one another where we're comfortable, with, you know, talking about a few different things. And I think that's really the biggest thing. You know, I think young people have, you know, brilliant minds. I have a lot to say, but so often we we miss out on them because they just don't necessarily feel like comfortable with the people they're talking to. And so that's what I, that's what we try to do. That's why I'm so excited about the work we've been doing, young people, because I mean, we really got people to open up, and you know. You know, I'm I'm relatively young, but I still speak as one of the old people in the room, talking to like you know students and stuff. And I don't mean they have some some wonderful things to say, and they have a whole lot that they go through, especially today, um, that you know I would never went through as as a child. And I think just hearing those conversations and hearing how serious they are and how deep they can get is, is so critical because I mean that's really how we're gonna move you know the world forward because that's gonna be the future. That's going to be the generation that's going to be taking over. So we need to be doing what we can right now um, to get them into a place or a position where they're able to, you know, readily confront these different issues and not, you know, trying to combat them every single day. Uh, uh, A curveball. I didn't mention this, but it just popped into my head. Uh, So you're welcome. this, this is p- kind of the softball to it, but I, I will warn you, it's a bait-and-switch thing. Okay. Uh, do you think the Civil War was good? The Civil War? Yeah. So, um, the American Civil War, our Civil War that we had, us in the North, had, in a war with those right. in the South. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's, that is a excellent question, I think. I think when I think about the Civil War, I think about Civil War and Reconstruction. And so I kind of look at them as a couple. Absolutely, yeah. As, I look Definitely. at it as a couple of events. So I think that uh, I think it was important to see it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm f- even like the election with Trump. You know, I'm fond of people showing their true colors. And so I think when we really take a look at the Civil War and why it happened, I'm happy that it happened because it really showed, you know, where people stood in the nation. Um, do I think it was ridiculous? Yes. Do I think a lot of stuff that was going on though at the time was ridiculous? Yes. Do I think a lot of stuff that's happening today is ridiculous? Yes. Um, but I do think that it was, um, it was okay that it happened. Do you, okay, so what do you, so do you think that it was, that the, that the issues that were at hand were serious enough? So slavery uh, was serious enough that it was okay to go to war and kill over a hundred thousand Americans in that war on both sides. In fact, more Northerners died than Southerners in that war. Right. I don't think I don't, I don't ever want to say that. I would never say that slavery is more was important enough for that to happen. Um, 
because I mean it depends on what the, how the question is being framed. You know, like I don't think I don't want to say slavery was important. I think I think it was important to know about slavery. I think it was important, like I said earlier, to see people's true colors. About you know, too, too often people don't even say that that's the reason why the Civil War happened. A lot of people say you know states were trying to secede and all this other kind of stuff. But I think when we take a deeper dive into the issue and talk about slavery and why people want to basically maintain. Uh, this this professionalism or this 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 uh, this sector of slavery or almost like an industrial an revolutional indus- style right, this, of this slavery in, this industry of slavery you know people want to maintain it that was really the biggest um, reason why the civil war was fought and I and I think that you know I wouldn't say it was important uh, that that I want to say slavery was that important but I think that slavery was definitely mm-hmm. critical enough that we have people who would say hey you know this is not something that still needs to be going on. We have other people that say, no, this is still the institution that we would like to, you know, continue. I think that's definitely, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's going to breed some kind of conflict. Um, did it have to become a, a full blown war with like hundreds of you know, thousands of lives lost? No. Um, but if you look at the foundations of our country and, and other countries and, uh, look at how politics is played, how government is played, how war is, um, it's, it's almost common sense to see um, these things occur after particular conversations are brought, you know, to the forefront of our nation. So, um, okay. with so as you already know in the news and the politics and whatnot, there have been a lot of states who have been outlawing or trying to push bills to outlaw abortion. Mm-hmm. And so, there's going to be a day where there's going to be pro-abortion states and uh, anti-abortion states. Do you do you foresee uh, a time where, or I should say, do you see the plague of abortion to be just at, or be worse than the plague of slavery was? Uh, I mean, it's possible. I, I, I don't think, I think because with slavery, we're dealing with actual lives, and I think we're dealing with displacement of lives uh, and actual, you know, physical living people. And that you can affect, I think, with um, abortions, you're dealing with, you know, either seeds that or children that have not been born yet, or children that have been born. So I think that the conversation is a little different. I'm not. Sure. I, I definitely see there's increasing uh, concern and attention around the idea, but I'm not sure who will ever become, you know, a slavery was. Okay. Uh, oh, because there are obviously very passionate people on both sides of this issue. Right. Uh, do, do you think that people are more passionate about the abolition of abortion than they were about the abolition of slavery? Or do you think that people are more passionate about the abolition of slavery than they are of abortion? Well, I, I, like, like I say all the time, you know, I think things are relative. Okay. Uh, I, I, think, I, I think at the time back in the day, you know, it was a... This, the same way, like, like with even with abortions, like, you know, slavery, slavery back then was a sign of the times. You know, abortion today is still, you know, it's it's happening and it's not happening. Uh, same with slavery, but it's just it wasn't. It's not like something that people. I feel like if slavery was an issue today, we would be talking about it. You know? Oh yeah, because I I think about like there are no abortion clinics in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But there's abortion. There, I think there's a, not a Planned Parenthood, but there is a clinic in your district. Uh, so, 
if I remember correctly, there's one in Livonia or Westland. Can't remember. Uh, do you find them to that the presence of your constituents have access to that? Do you, um, but my and your district is a predominantly black district, right. while mine is a predominantly white district. Do you find it an issue that they have catered to the black community more often than they try to push abortions on the white community? Um, I don't necessarily think it's an issue with that. I think that that's just, you know, in terms of even being pragmatic, like we were talking about earlier, practical. It's, it's just, it's been, it's been noticed that, you know, in urban communities, um, even with people of color, they tend to have, you know, a lot of, uh, they seem, they, they tend to either be more engaged sexually or uh, physically or tend to have a higher rate of children sometimes. So I think that it's just, you know, due to facts. That's the reason they move there because um, that's where they'll be able to uh, impact the highest. But I also think, you know, just in terms of, you know, even looking back in the day uh, with like, you know, looking at some of the services even that the state and the federal government gives out to, you know, single single mothers or things of that nature. Before all this stuff was, you know, coming together, uh, families back in the day, um, you didn't see so many single families because it was really not, nothing to rely on. So you've seen a lot a lot more family, a lot more culture of people stick, sticking together, um, planning to have children, um, and actually, you know, raising the children as a, as a unit. And mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, now it's really just the facts that, hey, you know, in urban, in urban areas uh, with these, these uh, colored um, children, these colored young people, they just tend to have more um, children. And sometimes at earlier race or, at, or in conditions that are not necessarily feasible for them to raise a child in. And so that's why you see like these different facilities. But why not encourage um, adoption instead of abortion? I mean, because I mean, you have a, you have a lot of different issues with. It. I mean, pregnant, you know, to be it costs to be pregnant, you know. Right. Um, my family would gladly pay for um, them to have a baby, and yeah. then adopt the baby. Right. I've got three kids, and I would glad be glad to take on another one. Mm -hmm. In fact, my my church, I have several families that would be glad to take on anybody in your district's kids. Mm -hmm. That if, if they have the baby, they'd be glad to uh, adopt it. Right. And, and I think and I think that's true. I think that there there may not be a you know necessary program or something or that idea just may not be as consistent you know along the works. So you know, be no way to really put numbers on saying, hey, if we started something like this, how many children would actually be up for adoption? Or are these mothers comfortable to actually having a child and then adopting the child? You know, or you would know. you think it'd be the worst thing in the world if Michigan banned abortion? Would it be the worst thing? Right. If Michigan made it illegal to have an abortion, would you see that as a positive step or a negative step? Well, you know, I'm, I'm definitely... I, if I, at the same time they then created the same money that they gave to abortion clinics, they then gave to adoption agencies mm -hmm. to allow for easier access to adoption resources for the moms. Right. I definitely enjoy life, um, but I also definitely enjoy choice. Um, because you know, even in the beginning, God, God gave us a choice. You know, good and live, evil and die. So, you know, life, basically, the foundation of life, deals with choices and with decisions. So, I think sometimes that you know, we we know what we're 
So of course have different. Of course have situations where you didn't plan on having a child, or you know maybe it was something happened and you happened to get pregnant. Um, but besides that, you know, a lot of times, you know, what we're doing if you, if you have sex, you know, you, there's a high possibility that you may get pregnant, no matter if you're wearing a condom, no matter if you have any protection, if you're on birth control. And so I think that uh, before even having conversations like that, it, it stems back to, you know, actually being realistic and, you know, thinking about what we're doing out here and not making decisions that uh, will affect our future. You know, whatever decision you make today is going to affect you in the future. And so just knowing so that. So you, you'd rather just, you know, hey, don't be sexually promiscuous and get yourself in that situation to where you have a baby, to where you have to make that decision? Yeah, if, if you're not if you're not ready to have a child, if you're not in a, in a position where you feel like you're able to have a child, you know, there's certain things that you just don't need to be doing right now uh, if you're not ready to do that. And so I think that that's, that, that comes, though, with discipline and with growth and, and things of that nature so i think that's a that even stems back to the reason why you know our nation may be where it's at today because we just have you know this this mentality that we have in our nation the reason why there's so much of violence the reason why there's so much of you know divide and partisanship it, it's all because our, our mentality is just messed up and we're just not necessarily looking at things from the perspective we need to be and so sometimes i just think in my head like you know hey if it doesn't make sense it just does not make sense um and so you can stop yourself from getting into a lot of different situations as long as you you know think before you act i can dig it all right well i appreciate your time uh it was wonderful i think i do thank you for uh that wonderful perspective i'm happy again i'm super happy that you're in uh than rather than anybody else um, in your district. I think you represent in your district very well. Uh, I hope that you continue to work with your, your battle in the uh, Lansing. I, my rep, uh, Joe Bellino, uh, continue to work hard with him. And let me know if he's acting up so I can <laughs> um, start knocking on his door. I will. I'll let you know. All right, brother. Appreciate right, you. Thank you. Get the yield of the deer point in there. Alright, that's right out of the way. That worked. Looks good to me.